Welcome to another book review by the Mere Mortal team, or Mere Mortals. I'm Kyron, and I'm going to be reviewing two books today. The first is The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, and the second is Black Rednecks and White Liberals by Thomas Sowell, or Sowell, not really sure how you pronounce his name. So I'll start off with The Hero with a Thousand Faces. This is a classic book uh, made in 1949 or published in 1949, and it's a classic book on the archetypal hero myths. I'll be honest, I have tried this book once before a couple of years ago, and I only managed to get about 20 pages in before I was like, no, I'm done with this. I couldn't handle it for a couple of reasons, and you'll see as I go through my my listing here of, of what I noticed from this book and the second reading that the those some of those reasons are still sticking around. So it's basically a book on, I suppose, the hero as a, a myth, as a as told in stories, and it goes through 17 different sort of stages in it. it it's kind of hard to tell because the book, book is written with a very flowing style. Uh, but just taking like the number of chapters and I guess the titles from it, it says like, okay, there's roughly these 17 stages. One of the things I really struggled with this was there is no, I guess, like brief overview, like real taking a step back and being like, okay, this is roughly the style that it goes, bam, 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 bam. Sometimes it misses this step. Sometimes it adds this step in. It didn't really do that. It sort of just went through the steps and would and would sort of be saying like, okay, yeah, this time this step was missed, but uh, it doesn't matter because blah, blah, blah. And I suppose one of the things was uh, it's, it's a really interesting concept. So as I mentioned, this was 1949 when it came out. So I, I think nowadays in, in, I guess, like 2020 culture, it's, uh, there's a bit more knowledge of this archetypal hero myth and the, the hero's journey and it playing out through your life and Obviously, with all the of the stories, the movies, the books, we I think I think we might just be exposed to it a bit more, especially with the superhero type um, genre, which is ins- insanely popular nowadays. And there was another bit in it, which was the cosmogonic cycle, and that had about twenty chapters in it. I also going to be honest; I don't think I even read this bit. I probably got only about halfway through the book two-thirds of the way through before I just had to give up once again. But I did manage to progress further than last time, so that's a win for me. The basic theme of the book is of the the hero, the archetypal hero. What is it that makes up a hero? And I, I guess like trying to condense the, the essence of, of what is a hero. So one of the things I really enjoyed in the book was the the small tales, like the related tales that he'd go through in the chapters. And so he'd start, I guess, with telling of the Illumina Mish or, or whatever, like just random stuff from Egyptian, from Babylonian, from name a time, and he'd grab a story from there. The Aboriginal myths from Australia, a lot of the native Indians from a, the Americas. And it was really interesting reading those stories. I enjoyed them. But the problem was he would only take like a snippet of the story and then use that as the example for that chapter. So there was these parts where I'd be reading the story. I'm like, okay, I'm getting into this kind of cool. Like there's a dream serpent and it's telling all the people, blah, blah, blah. And then it would just completely cut off to something different. And I really struggled with that because I was like, damn, I want to know more about this story. Like tell me the story, not, not I guess, like the hero myth. The other thing I struggled with in the book was 
it didn't have the the flowing style, the real analytical type of okay, this is a hero. These are the the steps, bam, 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 like in a nice, neat table that my engineering mind could understand. And this is what constitutes a hero. You can see it in this story here, bang, 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 bang. You can see it in this story over here, but it misses out this step and, and bang, bang, bang. So it, it left like a, a bit to be, for me, I, I just felt like it didn't hit the essence of, of what I was looking for in this book. I will say after after reading this, I, I went online to look a bit about Joseph Campbell himself, uh, who I think died in the 2000s. And there's a couple of radio interviews with him and uh, you can see some stuff of YouTube on him. And I found that way more fascinating than than his actual wording in this book. And it could just be the wording. I think maybe if I read the audio version of this, I would f- have like a different experience because maybe the way the way it's written is very flowing and flowery, but it's not, I guess, straight to the point. It's not, this is a, a hero and I'm going to list a bunch of things. When I imagine that sort of book, I, I'm thinking more along the lines of The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. So if you've ever read that book, it is very methodical. It has stories in it uh, along the sides, illustrating the point of the, of the law, whatever it is. But it's very methodical and it, it's, I guess it doesn't add in those extra flowery stuff, the, the woo-woo, I guess. And, you know, I'm, I've, I've gotten over with this a bit in a couple of the other books I've been reading, such as Mindfulness, uh, the meditation one, and um, a, a couple of the other books that I, I was reading. And I hate badgering on about that issue, but as soon as I, I read that stuff, it, it just does not resonate with me. And I find it really hard to to understand and appreciate the book for what it is. So a couple of other observations. The the prologue is 32 pages and that is what put me off last time. So I, I read through it this time. I didn't understand it, but I, I still persevered. And so I guess I got more into the meat of the book than I did the previous time. A lot of the times in the book, there would be images. So, for example, here, this is the Selenian Maenads Maenads, from Hellenic Sicily, 500 to 450 BC. And it might have something sort of to do with the tale that's being told, but not a whole lot. And there's a bunch of times where you'll just see a a sculpture or a photo or or whatnot, and it, it doesn't directly relate to what is being talked about. Maybe a story just before, maybe just after, maybe from the same time period, but it doesn't hit, I guess, that that point where it's uh, just easy to understand. So a couple of things. I'll, I'll just read this out now because I'm, I won't do it justice if I uh, just badger on about the things I didn't like. These are the things that I would find fascinating if they were just written in more of a Robert Greene style. So he's got the hero's journey here, starts off with a call to adventure, the helper. So that's the person who, who helps the, the hero get into their, their story, I guess. And from there, it's got like the threshold crossing, threshold crossing, brother battle, dragon battle, dismemberment, crucifixion, abduction, night sea journey, wonder journey, whales, belly, the tests, that they experience, which would be in those sort of things. More helpers, so a sacred marriage, father atonement, uh, apotheosis, and elixir theft. Flight, 
and then the elixir, which is the return, resurrection, rescue, threshold, struggle. These are all things I find interesting and would like to know more about and and discuss in more detail, but this is not the book for me. (laughs) And so uh, it's, it just, something about it just did not resonate with me. The other thing which really set off my bullshit detector was the dreams. So he was influenced a lot by Carl Jung and Freud. And I, I guess like this was during the time when there was a lot of interest in dreams and the the power that they hold over the memory and uh, how they affect our inner lives and it's showing the psyche and the ego and blah, 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 blah. And so he's got some examples of dreams in the story. But the problem with this is it's super unscientific. So you take these dreams, spread it off to a bunch of people and say, like, analyze this, what's going on? And you'll just get back different answers from each person. In it, he makes the dreams real simple. And that's the other thing I, I really struggled to believe. They're interviewing people about their dreams and they make it sound so easy. It's, it's I guess, oh, I was wandering down a dark road and then a mysterious man helped in front of me. He had a golden orb and passed it to me. I then had to cross the river, but the river was too deep. And it was, and it was like, I don't know if I compare it to my dreams, they are all sorts of messed up. So (laughs) it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me, especially since I've, I've started learning more about my own dreams and going, okay, I'm, I have real serious issues here or my brain is doing something other than what can be deduced real analytically and and real easily i would have liked like i mentioned a big table showing everything and i guess overall i I can see how this book was transformational i don't want to bash it too much because a lot of people i respect and i you know value their opinions say this book is amazing for them for me it wasn't and i think i've gotten the same sort of learnings that I, I would have gotten from this book from someone say like Jordan Peter, Jordan Peterson, uh, Aubrey Marcus as well. If you've, if you've heard of him has talks about these sort of things in a bit more of a relatable way for me. So unfortunately I'm going to give it a three and a half out of 10. If I don't finish a book, I, I don't think I can, will ever be able to give it more than like a four or five. Uh, and this one, was slightly better than the other book I did not finish, which was uh, Mindfulness by Joseph Goldstein. So Joseph Campbell, a hero with a thousand faces. For me, not so great, but I can see how it would be. Next one I've got here is Black Rednecks and White Liberals by Thomas Sowell. This was written in 2005, and it's six essays on some relating but different topics. These are the influence, I guess like the the mixing of redneck and black culture and how they sort of influenced each other, more the rednecks influencing the black culture. Generic Jews, so explaining, okay, why Jews, I guess, as a group can be found in different other minorities in the world and Jews are not this singular thing that I I guess you can put in a box, but they're they're sort of common. Their sort of grouping like that is is common across different cultures and across different periods of time. The real history of slavery, uh, comparing that to, I guess, the Americanized version of of slavery. And Thomas Sowell is from America, so this book is basically written for Americans. The German culture and history prior to Hitler, and I guess he did like a little bit of an expose on, on the lead up to Hitler and saying, okay, was there something inherently about the German culture that inevitably would lead to Hitler and the Holocaust? 
black education misconception. So this is more going around the 1900s period and, and explaining what he thought of the segregation, the desegregation and how black education came to be viewed. And then viewing history subjectively or objectively or, or the mix of those two. So I'll go through, I, I guess, as much as I can on, on each one. They're, they're very well written and I'm not going to do them justice here at all, but I will try. So the first one is on the influence of redneck and black culture. And basically his thesis here is saying before the, so the antebellum period, which was before the Civil War, when there was still slavery, the, the blacks, I guess, had their own culture coming from Africa, but by this time it was starting to lessen and lessen, and they more had the culture of slaves than they did of the culture of that they still used to have when they were in Africa. So maybe they'd have like a great-grandfather who was originally from Africa, but everyone else was born in the United States and born under slavery. And he was saying it's basically his thesis was when they uh, got emancipated, the they took on the culture that they had from the rednecks, the white southerners who had the vast majority of the slaves in, in the, I guess, colonial United States. So he was saying a lot of this comparison can be made to the honor culture of the South. So the Hatfields and McCoys, that sort of are taking personal justice into your own hands. So if you've been insulted or slighted, you'll it's in your right to go and have a duel. And he was talking about how this is very similar to the gang culture where you cannot be shown to have like a lack of face. Like if someone steps on your shoes or something, that is immediate, immediate retaliation is called for. And you have to be the most brutal, the most aggressive, the most escalative to, to, I don't know, as part of that culture. He was saying he uh, traced it back to the English borderlands. So, a lot of the white southerners who had this honor culture was sort of from the Scottish area in between England and Scotland. And a lot of their culture was the white southerner culture that the blacks subsequently took over when they became emancipated. The other interesting thing that I got from this book, and I got a couple of interesting facts, was the lynching of, of whites was actually much higher than I thought. I, I assumed it was predominantly a thing against blacks, which it was, uh, but it was 75%. So 25% of the people who got lynched were whites. And there was about 4,000 in total. So that would have meant about 1,000 um, of the people who got lynched were white people. So that was uh, pretty interesting. I never knew that. Another bit, uh, so this is onto the Jews now. He was basically saying the, the middleman minorities could create this role for themselves where it was the hostility was based on an ec- economic role. So these sorts of people would come into a country or to a culture and they would act as the middleman between suppliers and the consumers of a product. And usually this would be in this sort of form of banking but could also be in the form of um, products and um, the, for example, like setting up small stores, setting up cloth and textile sort of factories and, and buying it from someone and passing on it to someone else. And he was saying a lot of these people would, would get these cultural backlashes because it seemed like they're not adding value because there's the product it's here, someone else needs it and they should just give it to each other. There shouldn't be this middleman taking it 
and creating like a little bit of profit for themselves and passing it on. Whereas that middleman in reality is is essential because how's this person going to meet this other person and, and trade? He had a number of examples of these. So he said the Chinese in Southeast Asia, the Lebanese in West Africa, Indians in South Africa, and Koreans in the USA. And he was basically saying, yeah, essentially it's the economic role they're playing and it's not based on the race, culture, religion, or nationality that the middlemen Jews had. So I found that uh, an interesting concept. I never really thought of that before. Slavery is basically saying slavery was a, a, a worldwide problem and not just in the US. I think most people would recognize that as true and this could just be a, a part of the essays directed towards uh, Americans because maybe they're sort of ignorant of this because their own culture of history of slavery is so talked about in their own culture that they don't didn't realize like, okay, everyone was taking everyone else slaves back in the 1500s, thousands you know, BC era. And I suppose he was saying it was, it took like a a long time to demolish it. And it was more about the Institute of slavery than the actual views. And I think you could talk probably see this in modern times as well, perhaps relating it to drugs in the form of psychedelics. I think I'm wondering how many people would actually care that much about it and it's more just like this whole institution that's built up around okay these are drugs so you can't take them something like that Uh, i'm going to skip the black education misconceptions i personally didn't find that super interesting and intriguing Uh, he talked a bit about how the system should have been run and i to be honest education is just something I, i need to take a huge step back with and just say like okay i'm that could be true, but I don't know. Uh, I need to do a whole lot of research. Uh, about the German culture, he was basically saying like not everything about it led up to the Nazis and Hitler. Other, He had plenty of examples of Germans in Australia who followed the Nazi regime, but they like quickly learned like, oh, okay, this isn't actually what we're talking about, or they were full-blown Nazis, but they didn't try and institute the same sort of practices. Um and he goes through a whole lot of, of talking about it and it's interesting, but yeah, not particularly like my expertise as well. And I think when you're talking about the Holocaust, you really should have like a huge book on it getting into detail. I won't go into the history subjectively either. That was uh, interesting, but yeah, not worth talking about for me for now. So a couple of final observations. Uh, America, the name America was coined by a German. I never knew that. Uh, so it was based on a... Uh, Italian explorer and it was built named by a German who was one of the first people to create a map of America so I found that uh, quite interesting it was very well uh, researched and reasoned in the book he was super solid with his points and was going bam 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 just trying to eliminate any argument that could come from the other side summaries are huge and reflect this attempt to prevent the attacks and he had a lot of early noting of victim blaming. He called it blaming the victim and political correctness, which I found super interesting that it was back in 2005 as well. Overall, very interesting. It was a bit of a slog sometimes, but quite good. And I'm going to give it a solid 7 out of a 10. That's it for now. Peace.